Good evening, everybody, and this is Giandra LaBeouf of Bad Culture TV. This is the first episode of Showtime's new series, The Shy, created by Lena White. Each and every week, I will jump online after the show to talk about the show, give my thoughts and opinions, and just talk about the show. It's a powerful show right out the gate, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you. If you'd like to call in and talk about the show with me, please dial 718-508-9852, and we can talk about all things The Shy. So tonight was the uh, first episode. Some of us got a chance to, well, all of us, if you have Showtime, you had a chance to pre-watch the episode before tonight's premiere. And uh, the title of the first episode was just the pilot episode. And probably the amazing thing about the show was it just didn't waste any time getting started. Since it's an urban-based show, it's going to have the inevitable comparisons to to the wire and, 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 and just all those types of urban based shows that we've seen over the years. But the difference with this one is, in my opinion, is it wasted no time getting started. So let's just jump right into the characters. It just seems like a, a whole, the whole episode to me revolved around the question, what would you do in a certain scenario? You know, those of us who are not from Chicago and we live outside of Chicago you know, the stereotype that we hear about all things Chicago other than the taste of Chicago is the amount of violence and, and gun violence that goes on in the inner city. So hopefully with this show, those of us who are are ignorant to the day-to-day culture of the city and the life and the people that rise up out of adversity and make their way out of the inner cities to go on and do great things, will learn a bit, a little bit more about the city, about the people, and not just the stereotypes that the world will have you believe. So let's talk about the characters. We have several characters in the show that we meet in the first episode that kind of take the shape of the story. We meet Kuji, who is the younger brother to Brandon, who looks to be a central character of the show. He is a a young man that made his way out of the hood and is a, a budding chef. We have Ronnie, who is an older gentleman who was like a, a parent figure to a young man named Jason, who is the first victim of gun violence that's introduced during the show. And then there's a series of young men that we get to meet during the show. There's little Kevin and his boy, Jake. They're all junior high or young high school students. I think they're junior high. They look pretty young who are, have their own social circles and their own day-to-day trials and tribulations that, they are facing as adolescents growing up in the city and they are all of their lives are centering around the question, what would you do? (coughs) Excuse me in, in a series of circumstances. So as the show opens, we find young Kuji standing over a body of a young man that's been killed. We don't know who killed him, but we know he's down on the street and young Kuji who's there just to feed a dog, literally an innocent bystander, but not necessarily an innocent person, you know, he seems to be pretty street savvy and has spent enough time in the street to kind of negotiate his way around, but pretty savvy, knows how to talk to people, knows how to negotiate. We find him standing over the body of dead Jason, not as the assailant, but just as someone passing by and seeing opportunity, he removes some things from Jason's body and in in that moment manages to get some uh, blood on his hands 
after the murder has occurred. Through a series of events, we leave there, the police pick him up, and they have properly, properly figured out that he probably isn't the assailant, just given his personality, given his past history, that he probably just isn't the guy that pulled the trigger. They figured that out. We leave his story to, to meet his brother, as I mentioned, who made his way out of the hood and is doing some better things. I'm sure we'll find out more about his backstory and what led them there. The two brothers are intertwined by a mother who appears to be, or she's presented to be someone who has an addiction to, to alcohol. And we don't know what else has happened to her in her life, but she doesn't seem like the most loving figure. At least she hasn't been presented that way, but she's been given these two young men, given birth to these two young men by two different fathers who are leading very different lives or, as the series goes on, we may find out that Jason was a lot like young Coogee when he was growing up, and he just made some different choices to get himself in a different position. We meet Ronnie, the older gentleman, who is kind of like the neighborhood player. He loves the ladies. We all know an older man like that. I got a brother that's like that. And he loves the ladies, but there's one particular lady that has his heart. He still claims her as his girl. He claims young Jason, her son, as his son, even though he's not the birth father, and we we see how he is affected by the murder, too. <clears throat> and then lastly, as I mentioned, the young men. So as the story goes on, we find out that as Jason becomes murdered and Jason's mother is so distraught by his killing and Ronnie goes to her in an attempt to comfort her, she doesn't really want the comfort. She wants the retribution or for the fact that her son's been taken and the only thing she said that Ronnie can do for her is to find out who killed her son because she wants answers and she doesn't feel as a person living in the black community that the police are going to do what they need to do to find out who killed her son and to get justice for her and find out what happened. So he embarks on this quest to kind of find out what happened to her son and see if he can right or wrong in a kind of street justice, street vengeance type of thing. As we detract from the story, the same parallel story that's going on is with the young men and doing what young men do. Young young Kevin wants the affections of a, a girl at school and being silly and funny and just being a typical adolescent, he decides that he doesn't have the he doesn't have the courage to really ask her out. So he decides to join and, you know, find some interest in what she's doing. He joins the drama club just so he can get next to her. It doesn't quite work out when she tells him that his boy already hollered at her and she's going to go to the mall with him. Oh, that's so sweet, going to the mall together. That's the young people's idea of going together. So he's sad and he tries to skip out of this, this drama rehearsal that he only joined so he could talk to her, but the drama teacher sees something in him and doesn't want to let him go. Early on, you know, now as I say this back, it makes me wonder if we're going to see a parallel between this young man and between Brandon, the chef, as we go along, if there are parallel lives. If Brandon was once like young Kevin and someone saw something in him that he was good at that he didn't see himself and it's going to take him on a different parallel of life and maybe some of his young boys are going to be more like Kuji and go a different avenue of life. <clears throat> Who knows? Food for thought. We'll have to see as the season goes on. So he ends up staying there and he's trying out for the Wiz to be the Tin Man, where he gets the role. Well, he sounds like he's got the role, if you judge by what the teacher is saying to him. And he finds and he goes on in auditions and he's practicing for that. He's his to backtrack it a little bit, you know, 
in a pilot episode, there's so many characters and you're trying to get them, you're trying to get to know who they are and it's laying the groundwork for what's going to happen. Young, young Kevin, early in the episode, we meet Kevin's sister, Keisha, who has a boyfriend and I forgot the boyfriend's name. But young, the, what we know about Keisha is she has a lot of love and she's really, really protective of her brother, Kevin. And her boyfriend, who is clearly a big sneaker head, she goes to him and she wants him to get different sneakers and stuff for her son. doesn't seem like she really wants anything for herself, but she is all about taking care of her brother. We find out as Jason goes out and about or Brandon, excuse me, Brandon, the older brother of Kuji is out and about trying to find out what happens. Oh, let me see it. Let me stop there and backtrack. So after young, after the young man is killed and Ronnie, the older man, sets out to find out who killed his, his quote unquote son, he comes across, he comes across someone who leads him to believe that Kuji is a person that killed his son. He talks to some drug dealers in his area and they say they see a young man with big hair like a girl was standing over the body and it's presumed that he was the killer. So he goes out and he finds young Kuji and he takes justice into his own hands and he shoots him. And he shoots him, especially after he sees him wearing a chain that he gave, that he gave Jason when he, at some point in their relationship. So he shoots him. And then we swing back to Brandon, Kuji's older brother, who's devastated that his brother's been killed. And it's right when he's at the crossroads of taking the next step in his culinary career, being promoted to a different position. And these things are threatening to distract him from still leading and going forward and leading a productive life. Through the course of events, because the community is small, he finds out that who the person is that killed his brother. I'm trying to see, how do I explain this in the most simply without it sounding like he said, she said, he said, but that's in a sense what it is. He goes about and he asks a few questions. He goes to the, oh, how he finds out is he goes to the corner store to pick up his brother's bike. As he's talking to the storekeeper, a boy comes in and sees him who happens to be Keisha's boyfriend and sees him taking the bike and he goes, oh, um, I heard about your brother. I'm sorry. He was real cool. I bought some sneakers off him. And through that chain of events, he finds out that Keisha's brother, who is young Kevin, saw who killed his brother, Kuji. So they connect. Jason, uh, Brandon and, and Kevin connect. And he leads them to where Ronnie is hanging out, where he sees Ronnie hanging out on the stoop. And young Kevin points him out as the person who killed Kuji. What's sad in all this is, <clears throat> this is a good question of when is it appropriate to snitch and when is it not an appropriate time to snitch? Because we've got some snitching going in here, but it's led to a murder where the person who was killed wasn't even the shooter. All because of the train of passing messages along, he said, she said, who said, John, whatever. So Kuji gets killed. He's not even the killer. And now we're back to Ronnie, who is the killer, but you've got a man in front of him in Brandon who has chosen to live a better life despite the circumstances that are going around that are going on around him. He's got this addicted mother. 
He's left the hood. He's living somewhere else with his girlfriend. He's trying to level up at work, but it's like that still, that hood keeps pulling him back because you have a, your brother has been killed and you know the man who killed him. So what do you do? What do you do in these circumstances? I don't know what I would do in that circumstance if I found out that my brother had been killed and I knew who the person was that killed him and I could exact revenge on him whenever I felt like it because he doesn't know that I know that he was a shooter. What do you do indeed? So in essence, that's what happens in this episode. Just like with young Kevin, what do you do when you see the girl that you really like is right in front of her and you have a choice of asking her out or going in this roundabout way to find out if she's available to ask her out on a date? What do you do if you've chosen a different path in life to live and you find out who the person is that took away somebody who's dear to you? What do you do when you have these options presented to you? We don't know. We don't know. We know what Ronnie did because Ronnie is still immersed in that life and he's still living that life down in in the shy where revenge is very much a fact of life. But what do you do if you're branded? It's a, it's a tough call to make. And those are some of the questions that'll be answered during this season of The Shy. Again, this is the pilot episode. We're learning who the characters are. We probably haven't even had all of the characters revealed to us yet, but we're laying the groundwork to see kind of what shapes people and what leads people in a certain direction when you live, live in this urban, in an urban sprawl where there's a lot of chatter, a lot of talking, a lot of snitching, a lot of half information and half truths and things that are going on. And it makes you wonder just exactly how many people were killed by just having half of the information. It almost, you know, it makes me think of the show, of The Wire, when Slim Charles says, he's asked by Michael, you know, what if so-and-so didn't do that? It doesn't matter if it's a lie. The fact is that it was said, and if it's a lie, we fight on that lie. Or if it's not Slim Charles who said that, y'all check me. But you get what I'm saying. You know, how many people have marched into battle just based on a half-truth? And that's not even the case. You know, we see it all the time. Countries go to war with other countries. And who are the victims when these wars take place? Innocent people who weren't even involved in it. But who's really the criminals at hand are the lawmakers and people who send us into battle without fully knowing the whole story or just acting on ego or their own selfish needs or whatever. And that's going to be a lot of what we see in the shy. I imagine we'll see a lot more characters get interwoven into these traumatic events that are going to shape them forever. People will die. People will live. Some will thrive. Some will stay right where they are. But in the midst of all this sadness and tragedy, I can presume that in future episodes going forward, there will be the love and the soulfulness and the caring and all the other things that come forth from an urban community. It can't just be all death and destruction because I don't believe that's the creator Lena Waite's intention to just show us one uh, uh, kind of a, a unidimensional point of view of what the Chicago life is like. And that's what I'm looking forward to. You know, I live in my, I, as I'm broadcasting to you, I'm broadcasting from Inglewood, California, and we watched the, the change 
of Inglewood, California. At one time, it was like Inglewood was like a war zone. And now through the course of years and growth and change and gentrification, we see the, the landscape of Inglewood has changed. In the south side of Chicago, every day we see news stories. Instead of reporting on the positive things that come out of Chicago, all we see every single day is death, destruction, murder, violence, but never the good things that come from the city. And so hopefully with this show, with The Shy on Showtime, we'll see some of the beautiful things that could come out of Chicago, like uh, like roses growing out of the concrete. When we follow the stories of Brandon and Kevin, what's going to happen to Ronnie? What's going to happen to Jason's mother, the police officers who, you know, we have kind of a caring police officer. I'm sure that he'll be a central character in investigating the murder of Kuji. He's already kind of looked at the, the scenario and determined that, you know, this was a good kid. You know, he might have been a little bit rough around the edges, but who isn't when you grew up in the hood and your mom's addicted? You still have to survive. And through the course of his life and having to thrive, although his brother has moved away and wanted to take him with him, but the mother is holding on to him tight and through the course of ego, won't let her younger son go with her older son because then if she lets the younger son go, it's almost as if she has nothing to live for and she has to completely succumb to all of the addictive behaviors that she currently has. Ego is a terrible thing. Ego has gotten a lot of people killed and in trouble and all sorts of things. Your ego can get you jacked up. And now... One of the, the, the funeral scene, Kuji's funeral and listening to his brother, Brandon, eulogize him and talk about him. And then in the aftermath of the family gathered to take him to be buried and watching his mother blame him for what happened to his brother is really tragic and sad. And, and that happens a lot. You know, people are quick to pass the blame, but never really want to turn the, the mirror toward themselves and, and recognize what part they played into the tragedy, never taking any accountability. And I think that's what we're going to see with Brandon and Kuji's mother. How far we, are we going to see her, her character examined? We don't know. We know very little about her at this point. But as the season goes on, hopefully we'll learn more about her. Shout out to Joaquin Guillory, who played Kuji in this episode, the young man with the big curly hair. I've seen him in the film Kick before. He's a talented young man. Uh, he got killed in the first episode, but with his death, it starts a catalyst for what promises to be an incredible season with incredible stories and lots of characters whose lives are interwoven by the fact that they live in Chicago's inner cities. So his death won't be in vain because he plays a pivotal role into jumpstarting what's probably going to be a fantastic season with lots of emotional, deep interesting and layered character behaviors and stories and things. And I'm looking forward to it. So since that is our first episode and you guys got to get to know who I am and what my style is, that's all I got for tonight. Usually we'll keep it about 30 minutes in the after show. We'll talk about the show unless some serious heaviness and debate goes on that you all want to debate. Feel free to call in. I'm going to air every Sunday night at 8 p.m., Pacific Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to give everybody a chance to watch and so we could discuss. So I'm looking forward to speaking with some of you online, live on the show, whenever to talk about the shy. I love a good series, especially one set in an urban setting. And 
it looks like this is going to be for me for however many weeks that the show goes on. So if you're not following me currently on Twitter, if you found the show, you probably follow me already. But if you're not following me on Twitter, please follow me on Twitter at J-E-A-N-D-R-A-L-E-B-E-A-U-F. I write for Black Sports Online. I'll probably be posting this podcast on Black Sports Online so you catch it there each and every week. I thank everybody for listening tonight. I'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Shy After Show. I'm Giandra LaBeouf again. Thanks for listening and good night.